minutes. I'll read a couple of verses out of the uh, New Testament first, but you turn to Genesis chapter number 21. I want to speak today on the subject of days of inflation, days of inflation. We certainly are living in those. This is stewardship month, and so we deal with some of these things, and I'd like to talk about some things for you to do in these days of inflation. I believe that things are going to get worse as I study prophecy. I'm not a Debbie Downer or anything, but I believe prophecy teaches us two things. Number one, people are going to get worse in the last days. Not everybody, but just in general, people are going to get worse. And then number two, things are going to get worse in the last days. And we're going to see wars and rumors of wars and nations rise against nation and kingdom against a kingdom, and we're going to see more of the things that have started in the Middle East uh, recently, which really have been going on for thousands of years, but I'll be teaching on that Wednesday night, what's going on there in Palestine and Israel. We'll start this Wednesday night if you can uh, come. But uh, inflation is going to get so bad in the near future that in Revelation 6 and verse 6, it says, and I heard a voice In the midst of the four beasts, say, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now, this is shortly after the rapture, which I believe those of you and I that are saved uh, will be taken out before the tribulation period of seven years starts on earth. I have seven biblical reasons why I believe the rapture will precede the tribulation period. But immediately, immediately when the tribulation period starts, we have that prophecy of the four horsemen. And when you get to the black horseman, he says a measure of wheat for a penny. Now that sounds cheap to us unless we know and study the Bible. But a penny at the time of that writing was a day's wages. A penny was a day's wages. And a measure of wheat is approximately the size of of a wood basket that you buy strawberries in during the summertime. So the Bible says inflation is going to get so bad that it's going to take a man his entire day's wages. So if he earns $500 a week, it'll take him $100 to buy a little box of wheat. Uh, That's called inflation. The days of inflation are coming, and we're seeing some of the precursors today. Uh, I went to a certain fast food joint recently, and I bought two single cheeseburgers and a chocolate shake, and then the dear lady asked me for $18.58, and I kept the receipt. I have it at home, if you don't believe me. I was standing behind a guy in Dollar General who was buying cigarettes. I'm thankful that I I never started cigarettes, never got addicted, and and I, I feel for people who do and pray for their... Uh, victory, and uh, we've seen many people overcome nicotine by the power of God. But uh, the uh, cashier said that'll be $15.50 for a pack of cigarettes, and I, I, I said, well, that would be reason enough for me to quit uh, smoking cigarettes. We got a, a, a credit card uh, deal in the, um, the junk mail at our house uh, this week, and as I was reading the fine print, the usury on it was 33.24%. Uh, that, is, uh, that should be illegal. Uh, that, they're, they're bandits. 
anyone that charges people who are down on their fortune and using credit to live from week to week or something, 33.24. And there's many other examples I could give you, but for time, our time's going quickly today. I won't. But the days of inflation are coming, and you probably have your own stories. We know gas is 3.80 a gallon all across the nation, $8 in some parts, and and uh, I, I don't know if another uh, administration could possibly bring it down. We may have some of this, but for the most part, your money is not worth what it used to be just a few years ago. And so you and I need to know how to live biblically in these times. One other verse before I join you in Roman, uh, Genesis 21 is in Romans 15 and verse 4. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. All right, so the things that we're going to look at are things that were written aforetime, such as in the Old Testament. We're going to look at three stories now in the book of Genesis. These things were written for many reasons, but they were written so that we might have patience and comfort of the scriptures. And so in Genesis chapter number 21, I want to show you three stories this morning and three points on what to do. There's a lot more we can do, but there's only so much you can say in a sermon. And when we are in uh, economically hard times, and uh, some of you are, and 60% of our country is living from paycheck to paycheck, uh, that's how bad it is, and our country has about 30 37 trillion dollars in debt and and uh, I don't know if payday's coming or what uh, but things are going to get hard you're seeing that and if they get harder uh, some of us that have been around the block a few times and and I, I don't profess to know be an expert on anything but some of us have lived through recessions and we've lived through inflation before and we have learned by experience that these things do not affect our God. They don't affect our God at all. Uh, and we've seen that in churches. We've seen that even through COVID seasons where God has provided and shown himself to be very, very great. Amen? In Genesis chapter number 21, I want to show you our first story, and it's the story of a single mother. It's actually the first story in the Bible of so many where God miraculously provides uh, for human beings. In this case, she's a single mother. She's never been married. She's an Egyptian. She has an illegitimate son. Her name is Hagar, and his name is Ishmael. Now, for those that are prejudiced or bigoted, uh, they might think that, well, God wouldn't even care for a person like this. But he does. He does, and it's the first of, of so many stories through the Bible where God miraculously comes to the aid of two people uh, in this story who simply uh, ask him to, and I want you to notice number one today, prayer. I want you to notice number one, prayer. Let's read the story very quickly, beginning at verse 9, Genesis chapter number 21, and verse 9, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman <coughs> shall not be a heir with my son, even with Isaac. 
And the thing was very grievous in Abram's sight because of his son. And that would be Ishmael. Now we're talking about Sarah, and she has a son named Isaac, the son of promise. But Abraham has had two sons, Ishmael by an illegitimate relationship with Hagar and Isaac. And so Sarah says, we can't live together. Kick them out, kick Hagar out, and kick Ishmael out. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman and all that Sarah hath said unto thee. I'm glad God speaks to us and explains things when we're going through trials. We need to be men and women of the word of God. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And here God gives a promise to Abraham in verse 13. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation. Because he is thy seed. What a promise. One 14-year-old boy has grown into about 2 billion Arabs on earth today. Is that God keeping his word or what? Sounds like it. Let me read that again. Verse uh, number 13, um, and uh, he says, And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham would be called the father of nations. The father of nations. All the Arabs claim, and the Arabs are just people who speak Arabic. Uh, all the Arabs uh, claim Abraham as their father. All the Jews claim Abraham as their father. All the Christians. Galatians chapter 4. He's the father of our faith. He taught us what faith means in, in Jesus Christ. And so he's the father of many nations. He's not the father of many religions. All right, don't get confused about that. He's not the father of many religions. He's the father of many nations. All right, verse 14. And Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. Boy, that sounds cruel in verse 14, unless you know verse 13. That Abraham believed what God said. He believed. He's going to, you're going to send him away. Out into the wilderness you go. Can you imagine that? Giving a, a lady a bottle of water and some bread and her son said, get out. But he knew what God had said. And that God always keeps his word. And that would not be the last he sees of them. Now, Hagar doesn't know this. And so they depart into the wilderness of Beersheba, and the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child, who's 14 years old, by the way, at this time, under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot, for she said, let me not see the death of the child. See, God hadn't revealed to her what he had revealed to Abraham. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. Can you imagine that? See that little Egyptian girl weeping. She's thrown her son over under the bulrushes and she doesn't want to see him die and she's weeping. And God heard the voice of the lad. Who's that? Ishmael. He's 14 years old. 14 year olds can pray to God and be heard. All right? Teach your boys and girls how to pray very early in life. God can, and this boy's not perfect. We already read uh, about one of his faults uh, early in the chapter uh, when he was mocking. Verse 9. Uh, but you know, you don't have to be perfect to get your prayers answered. 
You just have to pray. You have not because you ask not. A lot of bad people have gotten prayers answered because they asked. A lot of good people haven't gotten prayers answered because they didn't ask. And uh, I would encourage you, just ask. He said, I don't, why would God hear me? Just ask. See what God will do for you. See what God will do for you. And so God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad. Where he is, isn't that precious? God hath heard the voice of the lad. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. Now she gets the revelation Abraham had. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad. All right, be careful how, what you feel about the Ishmaelites, okay? Be careful. A lot of them are saved. My wife and I in Israel went to the First Baptist Church of Bethlehem. Everybody in the church was a Palestinian who had become born again, trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Okay, don't confuse the Palestinians with Hamas or Hezbollah. We'll learn that stuff on Wednesday nights starting this week. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt, and the rest is history. Now there's two billion of them. How about that for a story? Prayer. We're talking about desperate times in people's lives and what to do. And I'm not saying we're in desperation with inflation. I'm just saying we have a biblical story here that tells you if your possessions are down to one bottle of water, one loaf of bread, and one little boy, that's all you have to your name, you can pray. And God can do miracles. And thousands and thousands of years later, we see the evidence of this answer to prayer. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. And so I don't know what you're down to. Some of you, I don't know what you're down to, but you can pray. You can pray. I'd like you to turn to another story, and that's in Genesis chapter 28. I want to show you something else to do. Number two, the second thing you can do during difficult financial times and days of inflation, and that is to tithe. That is to tithe. We see the story now of Jacob. He's a single man. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have a child. But you know something? It's good to make some commitments to the Lord before you get married. Before you get married, it's good for you to make some vows to the Lord before God gives you a wife and before God gives you children. In Genesis chapter 28, we see the story, of course, the famous story of Bethel, the house of God. And uh, it says, <coughs> while he was there, verse 17, and he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. That's the first time of 300 times in the Bible, you're going to read the phrase, the house of God. The first place it is, is under a tree. 
The second place is in a tent, a mobile tent called a tabernacle. The third place is a temple. The fourth place after the destruction of the temple were the synagogues. The fifth place were large homes, and the last place is churches. The church is the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The house of God. God has a house. We know he can't be, you know, he's, he's omnipresent, but he chooses to dwell in a house. And I want to encourage you to be church people all of your life. Find a good church. Get there. Get involved. Go to everything that's going on. It's the house of God. 300 times mentioned in the scriptures. And Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. Now keep in mind, he's a single man. He's a young man. No wife, no kids. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. Now notice verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God be with me, will be with me, and will keep me this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat. Remember that statement. And raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, from which then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now the tenth is a tithe. Some of you may have never heard of the word tithe before. T-I-T-H-E, it literally means the tenth. It is something that we are to honor the Lord with, the first fruits uh, of uh, what God has uh, blessed us with. Not the last tenth, if it's left, but the first tenth. Now I would encourage you, and there's many other people who love you in this room today that would encourage you to tithe. And begin while you're young, like Jacob. Jacob has nothing, but he said, God, if you'll be with me, I'll give you a tenth of everything. He vowed a vow at the house of God. He vowed a vow. The Bible promises us over in Proverbs 3 and verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out, with new wine. That's just one of so many promises uh, of God's blessing on those who honor Him. Honor the Lord. That's what we're doing. Honor the Lord with thy first fruits. And teach your children, if they get a dollar, tell them now we give the first dime to the Lord. Teach them that. Our pastor used to give five cents a week when he started Faith Promise Missions in this church, he gave, he gave a nickel a week. All right, and then eventually he put himself in the offering plate and he went to be a missionary in the Philippines for 10 years. But he started young. He started young and teach your children to tithe. I'm glad my dad taught me to tithe. My wife learned to tithe. My wife and I started tithing before we were married. In these 44 years, we've never missed giving tithes to the Lord. And we can say that God has blessed us. Now, What about Jacob? I want you to go now to chapter 48, chapter 48, and I want you just to notice a little statement he makes 84 years later. I want you, now he's got a wife, he's got too many wives, I don't know how that worked, 
It's amazing what God puts up with, isn't it? He's got Leah, he's got Rachel, he's got Zilpah and the other one. and He's got 13 children, 12 sons and a daughter. In fact, in Exodus 1 and verse 5, when he dies, it says this about him. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. And Joseph was in Egypt already. But near his dying days, he, he has this <coughs> meeting with Pharaoh. Or, or, or meeting with his sons, he, he gets reunited with them. It's, it's a 14-chapter story. We don't have time for it this morning. But he goes down to Egypt, and he sees Joseph again. And some of you know the precious, precious story. And in Genesis 48, I want you to notice a phrase here in verses 15 and 16. It says, And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, Now, I want you to notice this carefully. The God which fed me all my life long unto this day. Remember what he said when he was a single man under the tree in Bethel? He says, if you'll just give me bread to eat, I'll honor you. I'll give you the tenth of everything I owe. And 84 years later, he's a Bedouin. I don't know how in the world some nomadic shepherd got food. We go to Wegmans, Tops, Aldi, Save-A-Lot, whatever. No, no problem. How does a Bedouin do that? How's a guy with no wife, no kids, give this testimony? 84 years later, he said, I promised God I'd give him the 10th, and 84 years later, God fed me every day of my life. God fed me every day of my life. It says in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, all, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first God, and he'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. He'll feed you all the days of his life. In these days of inflation, we need to be men and women of prayer, like Ishmael was. I want to encourage you to pray about your needs. Pray over your bills. Pray for miracles. Pray for miracle cars, apartment. Pray, our, give us this day our daily bread like our Lord taught us. Because things, I, I just feel a duty to tell you, I think things are going to get harder. But they're no match for God. Pray, pray. Number two, tithe. Don't say, oh, we got to back off on that. No, 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 no. It's better to live with 90% of your income in God's blessing than 100% in God's curse. If you read Malachi chapter 3. And then the last thing is wisdom. Another, a third thing, and there's, there's more than these three, but the, I, I just have to bring a short message this morning. Uh, there's more than these three, but these will help you in days of inflation to become a man or woman of prayer, restart your prayer life if it's, it's fizzled out, uh, start your prayer life if you've never had one, you've got to start somewhere. Or keep your prayer life vibrant if you do have a good prayer. Take your bills, put them on the bed, kneel down, say, God, I need your help, and see what he'll do. You'll have stories to tell, I promise you. You will have stories of provision and miracles to tell, things you've never thought of God will begin to do for you. Just like Hagar, she's got a bottle of water, it's gone, and all of a sudden her eyes are open and there's a well. God says, you don't need that bottle, there's a well. And she camped out by that the rest of her life. 
son starts finding a bow and arrow, something starts killing meat, they're having a great time eating, finds a wife for her, for him. That worked out. Prayer. God heard the voice of the lad. Tithing. If you'll be with me, if you'll give me bread to eat, I'll give you the tenth. And then the third thing we need is wisdom. This story is one of the longest stories in the Bible. It's the story of Joseph, so we're not going to read it. We'll be here all day. <clears throat> Just one verse, though. I'm, I'm trusting that many of you know the story of Joseph. And I want you to show you just one verse, something Pharaoh says about him in Genesis 41 and verse 39. <coughs> and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Notice that description of Joseph. You know the story, Joseph, 17 years old. He's sold by his brothers into slavery. The Ishmaelites take him down to Egypt. He ends up living in Pharaoh's house, and then he's accused of rape. He's put in jail for two to four years. I'm not sure how many, and, and he's abused. And while he's in jail, he tells the butler and the baker about a dream that Pharaoh has. And the dream is basically this, that listen, there's going to be seven years of plenty in Egypt, but then there's going to be seven years of famine. And so the butler and the baker get out. One of them gets killed. One of them goes to talk to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I had this dream. I don't know what it means. And the guy says, oh, you know something? There's this guy in prison named Joseph, and he, he, knows, he knows what dreams mean. When God reveals something to him, he knows what it means. And Joseph had already had experience in Egypt in leadership before he was falsely accused of rape and put in jail. And so they bring him out, bring him to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, this is the dream, and Joseph tells him the dream, what it means. And that's when Pharaoh gives him this amazing, uh, amazing compliment here in verse number 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Now, I want to close with this. When you read the Bible, God will give you wisdom on what to do. But it means nothing unless you do it. Now, God does not speak to you and I today in dreams and revelations and trances and all those kind of revelatory gifts that he did in the past. We have a completed revelation today in the word of God. Amen. Uh, God speaks to us through the Bible. And in these days of inflation, you would not believe how much financial advice there is in this book. Especially in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was a book that my wife and I read 72 consecutive times out loud at our kitchen table the first six years of our marriage. And it helped us to the point where we no longer had to make financial decisions. The Bible made them for us. A lot of times we didn't even have to pray. We knew exactly what the Bible said about finances. Now, Jesus said... Uh, it, whoso, you know, if, if, if anyone, uh, uh, how do you say that? I'm, I'm trying to quote uh, from the Sermon on the Mount. 
Uh, if anyone hears my word and do it, I will liken him. He didn't say those who hear my word. He says whoever hears my word and does it. I will liken him to him to a man that dug down deep and built his house upon a rock. And the floods came up, and the rain came down, and the house, the wind beat against the house, and it stood because it was built upon a rock. Now the thing about Joseph is that he's, he's then put in place of leadership in Egypt. And he says, we're going to store up food for seven years. Because we're going to get a lot of food in for seven years. We're going to have a great time. But the next seven is going to be a drought. And so Joseph acts upon the wisdom God gives him. He acts, and in doing so, he saves two countries. He saves the Egyptians, and he saves the Jews. Because he did what God said to do in his word. And in these days of inflation, you need to have wisdom. You're not, don't, don't look for some dream or trance, but get into the word of God. Get into the Bible. We, we've got some people in our church who are financial uh, advisors who can tell you what, and it's based on the Bible. If you don't know what to do, you can go to them or come to me and I'll direct you and Pastor Barron. <coughs> but you have to do. You can't just know it. You can't just have the wisdom. You've got to do it. And in doing it, you'll find that it works. And you'll find that inflation is no match for God. No match for God. So I've given you three things to do today in the days of inflation. Now, maybe the next administration will bring it down a little bit. I I don't know, but I, I know what the Bible says about the tribulation. And we might be close to that. I don't know when the Lord will come back again. Maybe, maybe soon, maybe not. But, but you, you need to start praying about your finances. I, I don't care if you're living on Easy Street now and you're healthy and you got just, uh, you're making money hand over fist. You still need to pray. 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 You young men, pray. Young ladies, Pray. Uh, single moms, like Hagar, Ishmael, pray. By the way, who taught Ishmael how to pray? Abraham, his father. And you dads need to teach your boys and girls how to pray. They need to hear you pray. And, they need, and God's going to back you against the wall once in a while. So the only way to get out of it is to pray your way out of it so your kids can see what God has done for you. Pray. Tithe. Don't, it's not the time to stop and say, boy, I've got I to have that money to pay bills. Listen, tithe. You know, if, if you don't like our church, find another church. Tithe to that church. I could care less. Uh, God has blessed us very much. But tithe. Teach your children to tithe. Teach your girls. Teach your grandchildren to tithe. Tithe. 84 years later. Jacob said, God fed me every day since I made that commitment as a single young man. And then wisdom. Get in the book. Start with Proverbs. Start with, read Proverbs over and over and over again. Look for financial advice in Proverbs. And then say, God, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer 
of your word and not a hearer only. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for those things that, which were written aforetime, that were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. 